The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. We started with 68. We're down to a sweet 16. And GP and I recap everything you need to know from Monday's action on this episode. We do hope you've been enjoying these recaps. And we will have more later this week. Before we get to that, just a reminder, tournament's in full swing. But a lot of other stuff's going on. And if you are not yet locked into CBS Sports HQ, it is your streaming answer for everything sports news 24-7. And it's free. Here's what's on tap this week alone. You got me and GP on HQ occasionally, more than occasionally. I'm making my way to Indianapolis uh, on Wednesday, and I'll be reporting live from the tournament for two straight weeks. Plus, there's MLB string training. The NBA trade deadline's coming up. You've got UFC 260, plus NFL free agency fallout, in addition to NFL draft coverage. And yes, even golf picks for the U.S. men's national team. So be sure you are locked in to CBS Sports HQ, where we sometimes make references to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. And with that, let's get to what happened on Monday. Hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And when I say it's Tuesday, I mean, it's technically Tuesday, but it's essentially late Monday night. It's 12.05 a.m. Eastern. I've been on CBS Sports Network all day. Norlander been on CBS Sports HQ all day. Now that we're done and all of Monday's games have been completed, we are here to talk through the fourth full day of the 2021 NCAA tournament because the Sweet 16 is now set. Of the final 16 teams in the bracket, we have three number one seats. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, two number two seats, Alabama, Houston, one number three seat, Arkansas, one number four seat, Florida State, two number five seats, Creighton and Villanova, one number six seat, USC, one number seven seat, Oregon, one number eight seat, Loyola, Chicago, two number 11 seat, Syracuse and UCLA, one number 12 seat, Oregon State, one number 15 seat, Oral Roberts. So the average seed of the 16 Sweet 16 teams is... 5.88. That's a new record for the highest average seed of Sweet 16 teams in NCAA tournament history. The previous record, if you care, 5.56, set in 1986. So dead leg upsets and surprises have dominated the first two rounds of the 2021 NCAA tournament. Is that the story heading into the Sweet 16? The upsets that highlighted how we got here, or is it that the Pac-12 has four Sweet 16 teams or that the Big Ten only has one Sweet 16 team, or is it a combination of all three? I won't go, I won't do cop out and do combination of all three. I think actually the Pac 12, I got thoughts on all, everything you just laid out there, GP, uh, and good morning to you uh, morning. once again. Um, I think the Pac 12 is probably it because it's the first time, trivia time. Okay. 
I got a few nuggets for this podcast. I'm going to try and sprinkle in. Pac-12 has been uh, to the Sweet 16 with four representatives three times prior. I'm not going to ask you for all the years. I'm just going to ask you to try and guess as close as you can. The most recent time, the Pac-12, uh, or the conference we know to be the Pac-12, that might be me tipping my hand, was the, the last time that had four in the 16 prior to this year. It was obviously 2013. It is 2001. It was not even the Pac-12 then. It was the Pac-10 when it sent Arizona, Stanford, USC, and UCLA. Because the Pac-12, which is just been tremendous on the whole, um, has has done what it's done here. I think that it is the story. Although I don't, and maybe it's because the Big Ten's been bad, and nobody had the Big Ten sending one team to the Sweet 16. Nobody, not any human. Not any insect, not any animal, no conscious being in our known universe thought that only one team from that league out of nine was making the Sweet 16. It feels like there's more emphasis on conference performance in this tournament, and I guess that's connected to the upsets we've had. I've also picked up on a little bit of... you know, Pac-12 fans, if you want to, if you want to be like SEC football fan and, and ride your conference, fine. This has never been a thing in college basketball. This idea that you like you puff out your chest for how your league performs in the tournament—that's just never been a thing. I'm feeling like it's kind of a thing this year. Agree or disagree? I mean, I have seen people pointing out, you know, the conference, this conference is doing well and this conference isn't doing well, but I I don't think that's unique to this season. I mean, maybe we just see it different ways, but I I feel like every year we have a conversation about which conference is doing well and which conference isn't doing well. I just feel like there's more attention to it this year than in most years. And I think it's because the Pac-12 has been so abnormally good here and the Big 12 has been fairly bad and the, and uh, the Big 10 has been very bad and the Big 12, but you know, the two top conferences in the country there's no way to spin it, right? I mean, they, they've they've underperformed. And because of that, I feel like there's been more emphasis on that. And that's fine. I don't know if the NCAA tournament is, is you know, the out-and-out, like, true arbiter. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of attention on it, and, and I get all that. But here's here's where those leagues stand. The Big 12 has a 7-6 and six record, sending one team. And the Big 10 has a, uh, what, 7 and uh, seven and 8 mark to this point? So it's... it's, it's They've underperformed win percentage wise. The Big East has been better. It's four and two in the tournament right now. SEC's been better at six and four in the tournament, and then the Pac twelve has been uh has been outstanding. Yeah, I, I don't get caught up on, on the record so much as like the Big Ten had this if you want to um, identify why the Big Ten has been wildly disappointing. I don't really care about the record because mm-hmm. sometimes you can get a whole bunch of teams in, but they're all seated in ways that they're not supposed to get to the Sweet Sixteen. So like, how disappointing is it really? The flip side of that is what happened with the Big Ten. They had five teams with top four seeds. By definition, five teams that are supposed to be in the Sweet 16. Michigan got a one seed. Illinois got a one seed. Iowa got a two. Ohio State got a two. Purdue got a four. And only one of those five teams, Michigan, actually advanced to the Sweet 16. That is horrendous. I mean, there's there's no way to spin that. The only, the only question, if you want to have a debate, is – you know, does this mean the Big Ten was overrated, or does this mean the Big Ten underperformed in a single elimination tournament? Like, I'll, I'm, I'd be happy to have that debate. Maybe not at one in the morning, but at some point. But that's the only question: Was the league overrated, or did it simply underperform in a single elimination tournament? But there's no way to spin this as anything other than absolutely horrific. It, it, you are, you are right. And if you want to say it was a little bit of overrating of the Big Ten, I would agree. But it, to me, it's more underperforming in the tournament. And thank goodness that Michigan got out against. LSU because that was probably the best watch on uh, on Sunday overall. As for what you asked at the top, with just the you know 
the average seed being 5.88 in the uh, in the Sweet 16, the highest sum for all for all of it at 94, breaking the record from 86. Um, you know that has been a lot. We've had a lot of noise with it as well. There have been seven teams uh, that have won in the tournament this year that were seven points or more as an underdog that won outright on the money line. That is one win shy. Oh, uh, and by the way, if you're thinking like USC was a favorite against Kansas, <laughs> like so that doesn't even count. Like if you thought like USC might have been one of that because it was a six three, no, that's not how that that line closed. So we are one game shy of matching the all time record parish for the tournament. The all time record for teams seven points or more as a dog winning on the money line is eight. And we we had we still have a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, a Final Four, and the National Championship game to go. Uh, that eight, record of eight was set in 1998. So we've had uh, a ton of noise, and to me, it's 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 a blend of both here, Parish. Like, look around, at, and we'll we'll preview the Sweet 16 in general. But just as a, as a broad commentary here, you know, we do have we got three ones, a pair of twos, a really compelling three. We've got Villanova that's won a couple of national championships. Loyola and Oregon have been to the final four in the past half decade. UCLA has more national championships than any program in the sport there. So and I guess I felt like there was a little bit of like, you know, so many upsets. This isn't going to make for, you know, uh, an absolutely urgent uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight second weekend. I wouldn't agree with that. We have familiar teams here. Gonzaga, Florida State, Michigan, Villanova, Oregon, Syracuse, Baylor, all of those schools have at least two Sweet 16, at least two Sweet 16 appearances since 2014. And you've got the familiarity factor with Loyola in general. So I kind of think this was a blend of, of, of the best of both worlds here. The only thing we didn't get was Sunday was lacking in drama, and we didn't ha- we had a few games that were close but ugly at the end, Parish. We did not have two, three, or four games where teams traded a couple of huge buckets in the final 25 seconds and there were these amazing endings. We have not had that yet. I hope we make up for that next weekend. Yeah, I, I mentioned the Big Ten had five teams with top four seeds. Only one made the Sweet 16. The Pac-12 is like just the opposite. The Pac-12 has four Sweet 16 teams and they are USC, a six seed, Oregon, a seven seed, UCLA, an 11 seed, Oregon State, a 12 seed. Four, uh, you had five Big Ten teams that were supposed to get to the Sweet 16. Only one got there. None of these Pac-12 teams were supposed to get to the Sweet 16. Four of them got there. That's incredible. They overshot their seed expectation, and yeah, it it is. And, and credit to uh, and credit to the Pac-12. I mean, Dana Altman has been ridiculously consistent in doing this. And I like, I felt Oregon was. You know, mostly fairly seated. You know, maybe one line better. Like I don't need to get into all that. But them beating Iowa wasn't a stunner to me. Um, when you look at what these teams have, like Oregon State, we talked we talked about it on the on the previous podcast. There, they are the aberration. Um, Mick Cronin and his his domination as the greatest coach in UCLA history. I'm not shocked. Evan Mobley, top three NBA pick, and USC has shown really high ceilings this year. I'm not stunned. Oregon with Dana Altman and their relentless attack of wings and wings and wings, and given the how they land in the bracket, I'm not shocked. Now they overperform their seed, but uh, it's it's also a, there's an irony to all this parish in that this is all happening. I saw Stu Mandel tweet this out, uh, and I completely agreed with it. He's like, of course, the one tournament where it's in a central location, none of these teams are actually playing on the West Coast. Like the West Coast teams are like are coming through majorly, and uh, they can't even have fans in the building to see it. But credit to them, and 
And now we wait and see if they can even make more noise. Where you know we'll have we'll guarantee to have at least one Pac-12 team in the Elite Eight because of the Trojans and Ducks facing off in the Sweet 16. Uh, we'll see if anyone else can break through and and you know potentially get to a Final Four, which is you know it's not a regularity for that conference by any means. Oregon being the most recent one, and they they just don't put teams into it uh, that far. But they got the best chance of any because they got 25% of the field that remains. I did not spend uh, any time on the Selection Sunday podcast screaming about Oregon being underseeded. I spent all my time on Loyola Chicago. But you could go back and check during the regular season. There was a point where you and I were talking, and I predicted that Oregon would be underseeded because the record and the metrics wouldn't match the actual team Dana Altman was taking into the bracket. Top five scores combined to miss 20 games in the regular season. They didn't get – and they're not still not fully healthy. I mean, Infali Dante is out for the year. But – they're, they're, I mean, this is the team they've had for a little while now, and they're mostly healthy. And this team was always better than what its record was going to suggest, even what its resume was going to suggest. Um, Chris Duarte looks terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, Dana Altman has a track record for doing stuff like this. And, and don't forget, I, I got a buddy, one of my close friends, who married a, a girl from Iowa. So, like, he's a he's a, he's now by extension an, an Iowa fan. And he was so mad, you know, early on Sunday because he, he was like, um, this trash Oregon team, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they're the outright Pac-12 champions. Like, don't forget that. This trash Oregon, they're a seventh seed. They were the outright Pac-12 champions. Now they've got most of their roster healthy. And, you know, we'll get into this later in the week when we actually preview the Sweet 16. But, you know, you watch that team play against Iowa on Sunday, it looked like a team that could maybe – get up and down the court with with Gonzaga I, I'd pick Gonzaga against them but like it, they look they look capable of playing with them I guess is what I where I came uh, I, I walked away from that game yeah no I I I agree with you um that was yeah, by the way that was Iowa's <laughs> Iowa can't get out of the second round man they're 1-11 in the second round since 1989 they're like our new Arkansas basically um but no good on good on Oregon good on USC in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2007 uh, and some uh, some weird kismet here. Uh, Andy Enfield, this is the second Sweet 16 of his career. The first one, of course, Dunk City 2013, which is the only other time that there's been a 15 that made the Sweet 16, and it's happening this year. On the other side of the bracket, and I, I'm pretty sure it was in the same exact part of the bracket when Dunk City came up, they kind of wormed their way up from the uh, top right corner. That's what Oral Roberts is doing. And so as we, uh, as we talk here, uh, Pac-12 with four, Big East, SEC, ACC with a pair apiece, and then Oral Roberts representing the Summit League out of the fourth-place spot, by the way. Uh, the Missouri Valley, West Coast Conference, AAC, Big 12, and Big 10 all have one team apiece in the Sweet 16. So let's talk brackets. How many Sweet 16 teams in my bracket are still alive? What about Norlander? We're going to get into that next. But first, let me make sure you know how crucial it is that you download the CBS Sports app. These NCAA tournament games, they're on multiple channels. It can get confusing, but it doesn't have to be if you've got the CBS Sports app. You can get it on your connected TV or phone. And when you do, you'll see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. The app is a gateway to all of the action. So go download the CBS Sports app now to make sure you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. Deadleg, how many Sweet 16 teams in your original bracket are still alive? Trivia time. Just take a guess. I'm going to say seven. I'm at eight, and I'm going to take a guess on you, and I'm going to say I'm gonna say you got ten. I got eight. 
eight. We each eight. only have eight left. I was convinced we, you were definitely ahead of me. I'm at, by the way, I brought it up on my phone here in our Bracket Games pool. Shout out to everyone that joined, by the way. I think we're just shy of 1,000. You guys are awesome. We'll blow past that number next year. I'm 353rd in our Bracket Games pool. Uh, credit to everyone that's ahead of me. Um, the ones I got right, real quick, Gonzaga versus Creighton. USC versus Kansas, and as I said on HQ, my, my bracket is horrendous. It is a disgrace. But the one that I had outsized confidence on was if USC met Kansas, it was going to roll past the Jayhawks. And I didn't expect by far the worst loss in Kansas history in the NCAA tournament, uh, but that's what it got. In the, in the, uh, in the East, uh, I only have Florida State. I'm in trouble there otherwise. Uh, Florida State, I think I, I might have said this last night, it's the trendiest four seed to make the Elite Eight I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So I've got them. I'm still in good shape. The other side, in the Midwest, uh, I got problems. I only got Houston, but I know a lot of people got problems in that region. And then I have Baylor, and I have Arkansas in the top right. Yeah, the ones I have left are Gonzaga, Michigan, Florida State, Alabama, Baylor, Arkansas, oh no, oh no! What? I think I've only got seven. Oh, I think I've only got seven. Seven. So the, wow. Oh no, this is devastating news. I had Oklahoma. I didn't scratch out Oklahoma State properly. Look at you, the so other Houston. OSU, the other OSU. It got you. So I've got Houston, Arkansas, Baylor. Gonzaga, Michigan, Florida State, Alabama. I only got seven. Yikes. Boo. 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 But you do have your national champion pick still alive, which is more than I could say for myself because I had Illinois and you have been riding the driving the Gonzaga bus all season long and they are looking just fine. Yeah, so it's it's seven of, of the Sweet 16 teams I have in my original bracket. But how about this? Six of my eight Elite Eight teams are still alive. Six of eight Elite Eight teams. That's not bad. Three of my four Final Four teams are still alive. And yes, my national champion is still alive. By the way, eight teams in the, my final top 25 and one is way better than my bracket. Eight teams in the top 16 and my final top 25 and one are actually in the Sweet 16. Number one, Gonzaga. Number three, Baylor. Number four, Michigan. Number five, Alabama. Number eight, Houston. Number nine, Arkansas. Number 14, Florida State. And number 15, Loyola, Chicago. And 11 of the actual Sweet 16 teams are in the top 23 of my final top 25 and one. The others were number 18, Villanova, number 19, Creighton, number 23, USC. So that's not bad. Certainly better than my bracket. I look, check the bracket game just now. I'm 415th. I'm in 415th place. You're 415. I'm 353. I still don't have my pizza, by the way. It's almost it's a great what job, do dude. Do? I'm rush ordering it to you, man. It'll be there. It's been a week. We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> We're in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I had to, I had to order. I had to order a middle of a pandemic. I had to order a COVID test to make sure I could drive to Indianapolis, and it got here in 24 hours. That ain't stopping that. The pandemic ain't stopping that. Well, this, you, I, I, then you should have told me to order you a COVID test. I could have got you that pretty quickly. I, I had. I, this is a true. This is true. I had a head coach in a small major conference text me and ask me if I got my pizza yet yesterday. I said no, I don't have it yet. He's like, is this going to be even be edible by the time it arrives? I said, I don't even know. I'm disappointed. I've got six okay. of my eight Elite Eight teams still alive, by the way. Scott Drew offered to pay for the pizzas because <laughs> he feels responsible because he lost at Kansas. <laughs> I told him he didn't have to do That's that. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> we'll discuss Sunday's games in a little more detail next. But first, check this out. 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we had eight games on Sunday. The favorites won seven of the eight games. So there was only one upset. And seven of the eight games were decided by double digits. Here's the rundown. Michigan beat LSU by eight. That was the only close game. Elsewhere, Creighton beat Ohio by 14. Oregon beat Iowa by 15. Gonzaga beat Oklahoma by 16. Florida State beat Colorado by 18. Alabama beat Maryland by 19. UCLA beat Abilene Christian by 20. UCA, U, USC beat Kansas by 30. Four points, good Lord. And in that Alabama-Maryland game, the Crimson Tide finished 16 of 33 from three. So close, dead leg. I nearly nailed the 17 of 34 prediction. Just amazing. I, I, I don't have a snarky comment. All I have is shock, awe, and praise because – I was, you know, half locked in on that game because Alabama just started going nuts. But then once, you know, once I hear, you know, Alabama's 13 three-pointer, I'm like, okay. And then I go, I, I brought up the box score. And at that point, I think they were hitting like a 54% clip. I'm like, this might actually start being <laughs> something. And then lo and behold, they were one miss away from proving you right in less than 24 hours. After you drop that, um, yeah, they they finish they finish sixteen of thirty three. So like, and there was I forget who it was, but he had an open three in the final minute and didn't take it. And if he takes it and makes it, it actually lands on seventeen of thirty four. Like I'm in my hotel room trying to pack up because I'm flying home in the morning and I'm trying to prep for this podcast and I'm screaming at the TV, shoot the GD ball, shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. I wanted him to launch so bad. I wanted that 17 to 34. 16 to 33, though, I was pretty close. It's amazing. It really is. And and to everyone that tweeted at us, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's the other thing that I was having fun. The mentions just got oh overwhelming. It was every every three minutes somebody was tweeting me about it. Oh, G, man. I think GP said 17 to 34. GP, they're going to do it. <laughs> I was, someone, I was, was, yeah, someone, was someone was on the scent with like, you know, two minutes into the second half. It was uh, just. Just amazing stuff there. It really, really is. Um, congrats to Alabama. Uh, we can start there. Just you know, I don't have too much to say there. They they easily just you know see ya to Maryland. Alabama got it got done when it needed to get done. So it it advances and moves on there. And this is exactly why I've been saying for months that that's one of the most dangerous teams in the country as it pertains to you know knocking off a Baylor or a Gonzaga. There are most of these teams even in the Sweet Sixteen, like even if they play well. They're not good enough to beat Gonzaga unless Gonzaga just doesn't show up. Alabama is one of the few teams in the bracket that even if Gonzaga plays well, Alabama could beat them. And it's because of what we saw against Maryland. 
Like, if they're just going to launch 33 threes and make 16 of them, even if you're Gonzaga, you got big problems given the way that they guard. You know, they're going to guard you, in theory. They're one of the best defensive teams in America, and they're going to launch 33s. And if the number actually hits 33 and they make 16 of them, then it doesn't matter how awesome you've been all season. You run into that, you've, you've, you've got some issues. And so this is why I've, I labeled them a long time ago a, a real threat to win the national title or at least a real threat to knock somebody like Gonzaga out of national title contention because they are capable of having that game. They're committed to the style. They're capable of having that game. They won't have it every game. They didn't have it last game. They probably won't have it next game. But if they have that game, the game they had against Maryland, if they have it in the Final Four or if they get to the title game and they have that game, which they're capable of, that's how they can be national champions. Alabama's in its first Sweet 16 since 2004. That's also the only year Alabama has made the Elite Eight. On the other side of that part of the region, uh, UCLA didn't have any issue with Abilene Christian whatsoever. Probably the most, you know, it was a, it was a day of blowouts here, uh, but that one was just a complete, it was a non-game from like, you know, 10 minutes to go in the first half throughout the rest of it. But, I mean, I do got to say, you know, Mick Cronin, his winning percentage in the NCAA tournament as UCLA's head coach, it's putting John Wooden to shame. He's 100% 3-0. Undefeated tri- in the tournament. Trivia time. Trivia time. Okay. Who's won more games in the 2021 NCAA tournament than anybody else so far? <laughs> it's it's you. It's it's one Mick Cronin to the surprise. He's won three no games in this tournament. Nobody else has done that. To this, and by the way, John Wooden, six losses in the NCAA tournament as UCLA's coach. Mick Cronin. Yeah, and, z- Mick, Cron- yeah. Mick Cronin zero. Okay. Tell me about the time John Wooden won three games to get to the Sweet 16. I don't think you got that story. I don't. I can't. I can't give you that story. There's no. There's no shot. I don't have a story. story doesn't to give exist. John Wooden never had to win three games to get to a Sweet 16. He was handed these things. Did not happen. You got any leftover thoughts on UCLA blowing away Abilene Christian? They did blow them away. Um, Mick Cronin is in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2012. It's kind of wild. Cincinnati fans got. I don't want to say tired. It's not like they pushed him out the way Memphis pushed Josh Pastner around, but like they were a little bored with McCronin, like they're always making the tournament, but never getting, you know, to the second weekend or rarely getting to the second weekend. <laughs> now fast forward in the first NCAA tournament that's been played since he left Cincinnati, McCronin is in the sweet 16 and Cincinnati's coming off a 12 and 11 season and half the teams in the transfer portal. That's wild. Stark, stark, stark stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Florida state, Runs away from Colorado. Uh, we'd be remiss not to mention the obvious, the biggest news story in the country as we record this podcast, uh, a horrific, horrific mass shooting that left 10 people dead, including a police officer. So as Colorado played its game, uh, there was a you know devastating story playing out. And I guess the team and everyone learned shortly before they were to play. Uh, our thoughts and prayers and condolences and everything are sent to anyone and everyone connected to that. And in that community, uh, it is it is a true, just horrific, horrific, needless tragedy, and um, wanted to be sure to bring that up. Colorado's loss, and McKinley Wright had some good thoughts in the after the after the loss on the post game Zoom media availability. Just you know, offering up the proper perspective. As did uh, Colorado coach Tad Boyle with all of that. Florida State wins. Leonard Hamilton in the, in the process gets to uh, gets to the Sweet Sixteen for the third consecutive NCAA tournament. Um, but just you know. I, that that's just it, it it infuriates me that we still have these uh 
that we still have this happen in our country. And that that's just unavoidable. We, we, you know, I had to address it on the podcast because that, that happening hours before the university was playing uh, in, a, in a high-profile NCAA tournament game just, you know, it was a very dark cloud over over the day today. It's it's obviously horrific and awful and heartbreaking. This is something that has been a problem in our country for far too long and something that happens far too often. And hopefully uh, one day we'll elect uh, leaders who will, you know, actually try to do something about it. Till then, this is the country we live in. F- uh, Florida State's going to play Michigan. Now, Michigan LSU was a competitive but frustrating watch because I just felt like the officiating crew was getting in his own way way too often and missing calls, garbage, just getting guys into foul trouble on calls that I just didn't think were, were great. Michigan deserved to win. It was the better team and the right team won. Uh, but that was a pretty good game that could have been a great game um, if not for just some some frustrating uh, calls there. Uh, they, I would, they, they said on the HQ and I went on late on Monday. I don't have the number in front of me, but apparently Michigan has won more NCAA tournament games than any team since 2013. Now, part of that makes sense because 2013, it made the Final Four. It made it took another trip to the title game under Beeline uh, later. But congrats to, to Michigan on moving on. It was a very trendy, you know, upset pick in the second round. And not just, you know, from a point spread perspective. I'm talking like brackets out, make your picks. I had LSU over Michigan. I was wrong. I have to. I have to certainly own that. LSU put up a good fight. Cameron Thomas, he's he's just a walking bucket. Got to figure he's a one and dunner and is moving along. Um, but Michigan moves on, and and in doing so, it may give us. We'll preview the games more exclusively next week. Michigan FSU might be the best Sweet 16 matchup. We got a few really really good ones, but that one is is particularly tasty. And congrats to Michigan for moving on and in the process of saving the Big Ten's hide and making sure that we had three ones that got into the regional semifinals. Yeah, you know Michigan as a team uh, against LSU went. You know they they were 50 40 80. You know above 50 percent from the field, above 40 percent from three. Uh, I believe just a little above 80% from the free throw line. So just a, a strong effort in the absence of Isaiah Livers, you know, um, they, they were the one seed that most people, if you were trying to not pick a one seed, that's where you went. And because of the loss of Isaiah Livers, um, but, but so far so good. Uh, they are in the sweet 16 under Juwan Howard for the first time. Um, I feel like we need to make note that, you know, Gonzaga, the number one team won again, no problem. Now 28, no, 27 double-digit wins. They've won 25 straight by double digits. Um, You know, it was interesting for a little while, but it became pretty clear at at some point that Oklahoma just wasn't going to be able to keep up. Couldn't score enough. Yeah, they gave, but they did. They came out with a with some really good offense early. Like it was interesting early, and I thought Oklahoma gave them about as good a game as you could possibly give Gonzaga. It's the 25th straight game that Gonzaga has won by at least. 10 points, 25 in a row, and they are now uh, in the Sweet 16. Hello for the sixth straight NCAA tournament. Here are the other teams that have ever done that. Gonzaga this year. UCLA did it for six years from 75 to 80. Duke did it twice. It went seven times in a row from 86 to 92, and then it went nine times in a row from 98 to 06. The all-time record, I just don't... I don't think this gets broken. This is a, this is a, this is an underappreciated stat. Thirteen straight NCAA tournaments. North Carolina from eighty-one to ninety-three made the Sweet Sixteen. That is a joke, Parrish. Thirteen straight tournaments and you make the Sweet Sixteen. I don't think that's ever getting broken. That's a that's a joke of a stat. So Gonzaga's in the club of six straight uh, regional semifinal appearances, and they move along with these. 
oh, like you know, if, if there's a program that is set up to break it, it would be Gonzaga. It, it would be, but you still, I mean, you got to be top three seed each year and hope you don't get pulled. You know, it's just it's tough. Not not that they couldn't do it, but I mean, making thirteen straight tournaments period is something that only you know what a dozen programs have done in in their uh, in their history. So, uh, just thought that was certainly worth noting there. In that region, you also had Creighton win against Ohio. Jason Preston, that story, uh, it was a a two and through, if you will, but played valiantly. Creighton moves along, and it has been able to rebound after a downright just embarrassing performance in the Big East Championship game. Creighton is in the Sweet 16 technically for the first time since 1974. How many teams have made it since the last time they did? I'm just going to guess and say it's 147, but they're there, and it's technically the first time that they've done it and needed to win to get into the Sweet 16. When they went in 74, they were already in the grouping that put them into that round, if you will. They didn't have to win to be one of the final 16 teams. So that's some, that's relatively surprising, but good on the Blue Jays for getting it done. That's an intriguing Sweet 16 matchup. I haven't looked at the lines. I'm, I'm sure they're out, Parrish, uh, but my blind guess will be Gonzaga minus 12.5 versus Creighton. Uh, they can score with Gonzaga, similar to how Oklahoma can kind of score with Gonzaga, but I don't expect too, too competitive a game. Yeah, Gonzaga would be a heavy favorite. The Kimpom projection is 86-74. So Gonzaga is going to be favored by double digits in its Sweet 16 game. It speaks to the strength of the Zags, but we've been talking about that all season. USC, Kansas, and Oregon, Iowa were the uh, the only other two games from uh, Monday. I keep almost saying Sunday, Parish. My calendar's all whacked out. Uh, but I'll start with Oregon beating Iowa the way that it did. Um impressively and and moving along, and we talked about them a little bit off the top there, but I, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do in that matchup next week. For me, the more more of it's on Iowa. I mentioned that they, they haven't gone out of the second round all but one year in the past, uh, what, 32 years. And for Luca Garza, he goes for 36-9 and nine in his final college game, and I wasn't surprised by his numbers. When I talked on the pregame on HQ, I said, I guarantee you Garza's getting at least 25-10. and 10. He didn't get 10, he got 9, but they didn't. Oregon doesn't have the size to compete with Luca Garza, and Dana Altman was more than okay to say, let Luca get his, and we'll just shut everyone else down, we'll, and we'll do what we need to do. Now, they were abnormally good from three-point range, was Oregon, and that helped them. But for Iowa, sure, in part reflective of, of the Big Ten, um, this was the exact kind of thing where we talked in the preseason and at certain points during the season uh, about their defense. They were better as of late, and it's some of, it's, some of it honestly is some luck with the way that Oregon was shooting from beyond the arc. I mean, it hit 11 out of 25, and it felt like at one point they made like seven out of eight three-pointers to just say, see ya, to the Hawkeyes there. So it's a disappointing end for that program. For Luca Garza, he said afterward that he's gonna. this is going to haunt him the rest of his life, and I really hope that's not the case. You know, obviously these players and coaches, understandably, can be very emotional after uh, these devastating losses. I would hope a few months from now and definitely a few years from now and for the rest of his life, Luca Garza can look back on, uh, you know, being the best player in the history of this program and bringing it to a level of national relevance that it hadn't had in a very long time before he got there. And while there was disappointment in not making a second weekend or a Final Four, you know, in the eyes of plenty, he was the best player in college basketball this season. And what he did, big picture for the program, uh, certainly will resonate for a very, very long time, even if they won't be able to hang a banner and Carver Hawkeye next to his retired number. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm sure it stinks. He, he came back to try to be the guy, in part, to be the guy who could take Iowa to its first Final Four since 1980. And he accomplished most of his goals, but he didn't accomplish that one. And to have it end in a blowout i'm sure is frustrating and disappointing and 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 you know 
I can understand why today he thought it would haunt him forever, but eventually he will, you know, you know, there'll be some distance between the hurt of that moment and where he is at in his life. And he'll look back on his four years at Iowa. And I would assume I would, I'm almost certain look back on them fondly. I mean, he's a sub 100 recruit coming out of high school who went on to be the all time leading scorer at Iowa, who was a consensus uh, first team all American in his junior and senior year. And who I think we haven't voted on this yet, but I think he's still probably the national player of the year. Like, don't quote me on that. Don't hold me to it. But uh, you know, We'll see what happens over the next week, but I think Luca Garza is probably going to be most people's national player of the year. He was one media outlet's national player of the year last year, so he can accurately call himself a two-time national player of the year, probably. Um, you know, his his number is going to hang in that in that building. That is that is way more than he could have ever reasonably imagined. So I know it hurts, and it hurts to go out like this, but that 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 young man had an incredible four-year college basketball career. Um, that said, this is the way I always said Iowa's season would end. I, I didn't necessarily think it would be in the round of 32, but I said they're going to lose a game 88-86. Now, it was 95-80, but my point was the same. They don't guard and they don't put enough enough, enough resistance to, to win enough games in the in this NCAA tournament to, to actually do, you know, to win a national championship. I never, you know, spoke in absolutes and said there's no way, but I, I certainly – explained a million times this is the way this is going to go Oregon shot 50 56% from the field 44% from three and then Luca's teammates didn't help him at all you know Luca was yeah. 14 of 20 from the field 36 and nine three of four from three his teammates were five of 21 from three like the trick to Iowa trying to outscore you isn't just Luca getting 36 it's the shooters he's surrounded with knocking down shots normally they do it this time they didn't, and now Iowa's season is over. And there's one thing that I noticed, um, and we can get out of here after this unless you got something else, but you know, these seniors, all of whom are eligible to come back, I haven't heard one say he's coming back. Like they all talk like they're gone. Like Luca Garza was like, I didn't want my career to end like this. Now he's gonna be drafted probably, so that makes sense. But even like Austin Reeves at Oklahoma was like to you like you know my yeah this is it i didn't you know i didn't want it to end like this but when i look back i haven't really heard anybody of relevance you know in suggesting that they're coming back to school which is i've been wondering about that how many of these guys are really going to come back to school and i was talking about it with some people in studio tonight and chris walker the former texas tech coach former villanova player who's in studio with me he was like well gp you know these these players have been through hell in terms of isolation and quarantine and testing. And it, it, you're probably going to have to go through something similar next season. You know, this pandemic is not going to be over. We're going to be better suited to deal with it, but it's not going to just be over. And, he, and, and we're not going to play sporting events with positive tests. So you probably are going to have to live similar to the way you've lived in the past year. And the point Chris was making was like, who wants to do that? And I thought that was a good point. That will be interesting, and uh, we'll see where we look up three and four months from now and uh, and where we're at. Before we do get out, I do want to mention the USC-Kansas uh, game on just a couple of fronts real quick here. 
It's the worst loss in Kansas. Like, good on USC. It had five players scoring double figures. Isaiah Mobley had one of his three or four best performances of the season. Evan Mobley had amazing spurts as well. And Kansas just got its butt, butt absolutely kicked. So good on USC, and we'll we'll preview their game later in the week here. But for Kansas, it loses 85-51. It's the worst loss in program history in the NCAA tournament. The previous worst loss actually came in 1940 in the national championship game when they got dropped 60-42 to by Indiana. But the only worst losses ever in program history, according to ESPN Stats Info, I want to credit them for finding this first, was a 40-point loss in 1900 to Nebraska. That is, I'm almost positive pre-Pinnacle Bank. I don't believe there was a Pinnacle Bank in Nebraska in 1900 when Kansas got dropped by a 40-burger. And then in 74, they lost by 37 to Kentucky. The other element to this is that when are we going to see Kansas in the spot again? Are they, when are they going to be back in the NCAA tournament? I had one coach text me just out of curiosity. I, you know, I wonder if this was Bill Self's last game at Kansas. I don't think that it is. I do think he will eventually serve a suspension. They are in the middle of the IARP process. No one knows how long this is going to take, but the question is, will they receive a postseason ban? If they do, when will it happen? And when it happens, how many years will it be? So I can't tell you if we'll, we'll see him in 22 or 23 or if we will or we won't. But that was the backdrop to a very ugly loss. It's, okay, now we're going into the offseason with Kansas, and we'll talk about it when it comes up in the, in the, in the offseason in general. But I just I wanted to mention that, like, Kansas has made the NCAA tournament every year for, you know, more than three decades. It's the longest streak in the history of the sport, and that streak might come to an end next year at the hand of the IARP. I would assume that it will, and the question, I think, isn't whether Kansas gets... Now, unless Kansas just argues its case and wins its case. Let's like let's not rule that out. Crazy. Like, everybody thought North Carolina was getting pounded. North Carolina just argued its case, and it, it, it was successful. It, it is possible Kansas can do the same thing, but I think the more likely question we end up debating is how long is the postseason ban is it one year or two you know like it, 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 most people in the sport believe that kansas's punishment um, will come in the next 12 months and will be significant but as always we'll see trying to predict what the NCAA is ever going to do is um it's not the easiest thing in the world to do shouts to devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to terry mf and teagle Legend, Shasta Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. This is something else, dead leg. Every time I go to uh, every time I go to lunch here in New York, I gotta fill out like a like a, like you're at a doctor's office. You gotta fill out all this paperwork so they can find you if they need to find you. And I, I look up at them and I say, I say, I say, I'm from Mississippi. I'm a fully vaccinated man. And they say, uh, could you just put your address down on the yeah, New Yorkers don't give a damn about that. Yeah. Yeah, they don't get just just put your address down, dummy. I just do it. I play along. It's fine. It's fine. It's just I ain't never I didn't I never seen one like this. I didn't expect this. You know, that's the thing. I just didn't expect it. If you're not if you're not subscribed, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it. And we're gonna either way talk to you again later this week when we will preview the Sweet 16 in more detail. Till then, take care. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.